There was a lot of emotions and baggage that I carried around with the feeling that, you know, I'm just not with my kid the whole time. This is episode number 22 with financial planner, often referred to as my financial girlfriend, Lisa Brum. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host mother hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Lisa Brum's career, or as many people refer to her as my financial girlfriend, began in the banking industry and transformed into financial planning with a passion for educating women on financial literacy and empowerment. Lisa Brum has been recognized by U.S. News & Money for the third year in a row in 2017 as one of Portland's top 100 advisors. She attended Portland State University with a desire to become a CPA, yet destiny was preparing her for something greater by starting her career in the banking industry. After eight years in banking, Lisa applies her experience and knowledge to the financial planning industry and has been doing so for the last 19 years. Here, she discovered a deeper passion for the educational elements of her work. After the economic crash in 2008, Lisa's work became even more passion-driven, specifically focusing on educating women on financial literacy and, again, empowerment. Positioning herself on the strategy side of her industry, Lisa believes in creating a safety zone for her clients that is also a shame-free zone. She is the go-to financial girlfriend for your monetary confidence and the hope needed to change any limiting monetary beliefs. While advisors typically charge for the consultation, Lisa does not. She believes fee-based consultation creates a barrier to what should be considered a basic right and resource for all. Ladies, and I know we also have some gentlemen listening, please help me welcome the mother hustler mothering the world this week, Lisa Brum.
Welcome, everybody. This is the Mother Hustler Podcast. My name is Kareen Mills, and I am your host. We are blessed today to have an opportunity to hear this wonderful woman's story, Lisa Brum. Lisa, are you there? I am. Good morning. How are you, Kareen? I am doing wonderful. And Lisa, you tag yourself as the um, financial girlfriends. Yeah. And I love, like, I, I never forgot that since I first met you. So <laughs> kudos to you for branding yourself in the financial world. Um, you know, when I think of financial girlfriends, um, I think of talking about my finances over a glass or sometimes a bottle of wine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How did that come about? And just take us through your journey as a mom and a career woman and now a business owner you actually own your own firm now right yes I do um yeah it's actually I didn't even think of branding when I uh it literally just flew out of my mouth as um as, as there was a piece of fear in that because I had been brought up as an impromptu up on a stage in front of about 200 other uh, entrepreneurs and businesswomen and the funny part of it is, um, as I was walking up to the stage, uh, gripping, you know, fear was in the bottom of my stomach. And I just kept telling myself, uh, be funny and get the heck off the stage, right? And so, um, and I only had a minute, so I really just didn't want to be that tried and true kind of the typical financial advisor that kind of talks about charts and rates and graphs and i just wanted to be me and i had just turned 50 so i do think there's some magic in um in just owning your own voice and wanting to just be who you are take it or leave it love it or not but i really just wanted to kind of just embrace everyone and um just felt a lot of um fear but on the side, on the same side, I was like, "What can I say that's going to, you know, catch people's attention?" And really, literally, was just a impromptu moment. I think I paraphrasing myself. It was about three and a half years ago. I said um, something to the effect of, "Hey, ladies, we're all in business, and we 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 set coffee dates. We go out to lunch together. Heck, we even go to the bathroom together. Why aren't we talking about money in our business with your financial girlfriend? And by the way, I'll be over by the bar for the rest of the night." And I just flew off the stage because I just wanted, I didn't, I wanted just to be me, and that's kind of who I am. I just want to. I want to be funny, but I want to be compassionate and I want to be able to show people that it isn't hard. Money is such a big thing. And I have been doing this for about 21 years now. And eight years before that, I worked for First Interstate Bank. And I always just wanted everybody to feel at ease and less stress. And I think one of the biggest compliments that I had gotten over those years was, Lisa, I can sleep better at night now. I have a plan. I have, I have you to call. I can text you if I have a question. So to me, that was, I'm like, yeah, I want to be the girlfriend. And I want to be that person who keeps secrets and girlfriends got your back, you know? <laughs> well, financial secrets, that is, because, you know, it's highly regulated industry and there's a lot of confidentiality and all that good stuff. But the word secret instead of confidential, it's a lot more girlfriend terminology. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I won't, I won't breach any confidence. And um, I think one of the other things that's kind of fun is that 
if I've ever had, you know, a gathering or I do events, um, you know, much like HIPAA and doctors, they can't really acknowledge you as a patient. Um, I do this, I feel the same uh, loyalty and the same amount of uh, confidentiality for my clients. And so I have people come that aren't clients and I have people that have come that are clients and it's them telling their story or what their interaction has been um, versus me pulling anybody or saying anything about them being. So I always, I always say that's an acid test because, you know, if you come to an event, you might not know that any of them are clients. You might, you know, you might find that out during the conversation. Is that me making a bad noise? Mm -hmm. uh, hang on. Okay, I'm not touching anything. Okay. Anyway, can you get me? Are we having a bad connection? Yes. Oh. Yeah, sometimes it just goes in and out, but for the most part, it's, okay. um, it's there. I could hear you. Okay. So, so <laughs> how did you get in the, the industry? Because you said you work for a bank, right? Yes. So um, I, I'm born and raised Portland, Oregon. I went to Portland State. Um, I thought I wanted to be a CPA. And I worked as um, an intern, an admin. I was mm -hmm. a receptionist and I did, you know, file documents and I did, I did tax deposits for um, clients of the firm. And um, in my last year of, of working or being a student, I, um, the senior partner came to me and said, Lisa, if you, you know, stick with us for a while and we'll help you get through your boards. And to me, that meant, I guess I didn't get it in writing, but that meant that they would help pay for the it was $500 at the time to uh, file to get your, uh, your application into uh, the boards. And I went into my annual review and I said, um, I have everything all pre-filled out. And I told the senior partner, um, we just need the company credit card to pay for it and I'll send it off and I'll be able to take my boards in October. And he kind of looked at me and he said, well, I'll have to get the other partners to agree. And I just, my stomach again tells me a lot. It just sunk. I was like, I don't know that this is going to happen. And so I went home. Uh, yeah, I went home and talked to my husband and we came up like, I'm really anti-controversial. I just don't like a lot of controversy or having a lot of confrontation with people. Um, unnecessarily, I should say. Um, but anyway, so I went home with my husband and we talked about it and all I could come up with is just write a resume and start looking for another job. And and um, luckily, in that same building that the CPA firm was in, there was a first interstate branch. And I had gotten to know a lot of the staff there by going down and running deposits. So I handed the assistant manager my application. And it wasn't I'm going to. Um, yeah. Give me a minute. I'm going to switch to another Wi-Fi because I feel like it's my issue. Oh, OK. Hang on just a sec. Sure, sure. <laughs> Technology, gotta love it. I love it, love it, love it. Seven, eight, four. Let me try this one. Okay, okay. I'm in. I, I think we got it. I think this is way. Can you hear me good? I can. Perfect. Yeah. That is actually way better. Whoa. Do you want to start over? <laughs> no, 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 you no, want no. to just, you're just going to tape and edit 
as you have to. It's okay. I just go with the flow, you know. Okay. Got it. Awesome. <laughs> so, so tell me about motherhood for you because you have a son or yes. two. I have an uh, older son who's uh, Max is 26 and a 17 year old daughter who's who's very sassy. Sometimes I believe she thinks she's 26. So she definitely has, she has her voice. <laughs> that she's very is, vocal. That's good. That's yes. good and bad. I mean, there's, I guess there's some, there's some issue with that, but I feel like when they can vocalize themselves and they can, sometimes yeah. though, I think the teenage girls, they get real aggressive to their moms. Yeah. And yeah, I, we I have a really good, I say yeah. that my own experience with my mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, yeah, there's always some rough patches, but you know what, I always look at it. Um, having, I think having Max first was kind of, uh, it, it was definitely a blessing because he, he was, he was very rational. I mean, there was just the sense of I could talk it out with him. We could mm -hmm. find pathways. We could find a compromise. We could find a place in the middle. He definitely had, you know, his wants and needs also, but, um, you know, between my husband and I, we really, I think we, I think we did pretty well. He's, he's very much, a he's a bright shining star. He's, you know, got his life and his, his fingertips. He's, he's very industrious. He works two wow. or three different jobs. He's always going wow. for it. So he's a good kid. And then, um, and then he let, you know, he led us to, and then nine year gap and then having Pearl, um, you know, girls are much different than boys and yeah. her, her, you know, my, I love the fact that I have, I have great deep in-depth conversations, but they're usually when there's nobody else around. So I get little, I always say, Pearl, I, you always give me these little glimmer of glimpses of the future Pearl. You know, right now you might be a, a little sassy or too sassy or talking back to me or not wanting to do something that's probably pretty important. Um, but again, it's always kind of a matter. It just takes a longer time for her to process um, the why, you know, why, why I'm asking her to do something versus just, I don't want to do it, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Your, your oldest sounds like my oldest. Um, very, very much of like uh, ambitious, you know, and, yeah. and art is not really afraid to work. No, yeah. Definitely. So that's amazing. So yeah. two kids, but they're yes. grown, you know, young adults. Yes. How was it for you? Because you started your career when they were little. Yeah, right? in fact. So how, um, how was that? Because that's, you know, older adults or young adult kids are obviously a different sets of problems. And then when they're yeah. littler, there's a different set of problems. So take us through all that and yeah. the challenges that you faced that maybe you have overcome and how did you quite overcome those challenges as a mom oh, yeah. and then career woman and no, definitely struggling those things. Yeah. As I was saying before, I got a job with first interstate bank when the CPA firm kind of fell flat for me. And so, um, I, I felt very much, you know, I was going to be a career banker. I was going to just be at the bank forever. It was a great in, uh, environment. The culture was all about service to the client. In fact, um, you stuck with the client. So if you got a client, even if you were at the teller row and they were unhappy about a fee or they needed to talk to somebody about a statement or something that they couldn't resolve, 
um, you got to stay with them. You would you would go make the phone call. You would go sit at a desk with them. Right. You would make sure that you got the answer. Plus, I would say, you know, this was the eight, late '80s, early '90s, and you could actually um, you you could actually waive a fee. You had the authority to do certain things to make sure the client was happy. Because bottom line, it was do the right thing for the client, and then right things will happen for for the company. And so it definitely was that um, environment. So uh, Max was about three years old at that time. And, um, you know, I just thought it was the way you do it. You, you know, you put your kid in yeah. my mom, my mom stayed with him until he was um, uh, out of diapers. And so <laughs> we, we checked him into preschool and it was, it was hustling to school, you know, get him to the daycare, get to work by 7am. I was in management at that, you know, I came right into the management role and, um, you know, you work till 7 p.m. So my husband wow. was, was eight to five. He, I'd get him to school, Max, then uh, Max would get picked up by his dad. Bill was the cook in the family. He always has been. So he'd take care of the evening duties. And then I'd get home and I'd have just maybe, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes to hang out with my kiddo. And um, weekends were cherished. I mean, truly, yes. you know, you say banker hours, eight to five, but um, the, the thing twisted when First Interstate was one of the first banks to open up kiosk banking in your Fred Myers and Safeways and um, opening up on Saturdays was just a Sundays. Huge, yeah. Well, it was at first it was just Saturdays and then they went to Sundays. And by then I just realized I had been with the bank probably, um, well, I was there for eight years total. And during that time span, I was, you know, it was that just, when am I ever going to see this kid grow up? My mom got to see him walk for the first time, which killed me. Lots oh. Of mom, oh, lots of mom guilt. And I was just always yes. like, what can I do to, you know, what the moments that I do have, how can I just make this the most, most for myself and for him? So, um, I don't know that if you would ask him, he felt like he was, he, he was abandoned by any means because he had grandmas and he had grandmas around too. So, um, but it was definitely a supportive system and one that yeah. are, I don't think I could do. I, I have so much admiration for moms that are single moms because I can't even imagine how I would have connected or made that work at all. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was hard and it felt really you know, there's a lot of emotion and baggage that I carried around with the feeling that I'm just, you know, not with my kid the whole time. So, yeah. um, but, but what part of that change is that when the Saturday banking started happening and uh, Wells Fargo was about to do a takeover, uh, they offered some packages. So I actually nabbed one of the very first time, you know, first packages to get out of there. Wow. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was this career banker. And I'm like, there's got to be other ways that I can manage momhood and enjoy my, my life and my work. And so um, that's, that's literally when I took the leap of faith and just jumped right into being a financial advisor, I had to get licensed before they would accept me. And so there was about three to four months of just, you know, going back to the books and studying and, and getting all the three different licenses that you need. And, um, and then I'm like, oh, I have the freedom to be with my kid when I need to. And so we did that for a while. And um, I got, you know, cut, got past year five. And that's kind of a big mark in this industry, yeah. especially as a woman. It's, oh, you know, yeah unheard of that. I mean, I was always just one or two of the other women in the office with, you know, right. 35 men. So, um, 
yeah, and I, I just kept all of the things that I loved about the banking culture and about doing the right thing for clients and the educational pieces and making under, people understand that they have choices and decisions that they can feel really good about. And so I just always took that approach when I was working with them for the money piece. Because I know, you know, maybe you can agree with me, Crane, because I know that you've been in there too, is that this America is pretty poorly educated when it comes to money. And financial so, you know i think it's all across the world and yeah financial education and then you put a layer on top where it's taboo to talk about money some families don't talk about money i'm very open about money when it comes you know for my kids because i think they need to understand yeah the cost to live and you know it's not just money of saying we have a lot of money but also saying you know, kids, I can't, at this point in time, we have a budget and we can't afford, we came to the store to buy groceries and I, I can't afford to buy another dollar of candy bar, you know, and exactly. it's really important to me for them to, I'm not saying that I'm nickel and diming everything, but right. to me, it's super important to me for my children to really truly understand what it takes to have a house, what it takes to be able to pay for bills and how much work I put in every single day on top of being their mother, making their lunch and breakfast <laughs> in the morning. Exactly. And I'm, I'm very passionate about it at this moment because we just went through this this morning, you yes. know, in the car, because, you know, things were being left behind my youngest couldn't find their jacket and it was, you know, it's the fall season. It gets really cold in the morning. Granted, it gets a little warmer down the road in the afternoon, but, um, yeah. you know, and that crunches time and takes away our, our time. And, you know, I, I have to say that, um, I can, I have to be vulnerable in front of my children and say, as great as you guys think I am, I promise you, I can't do it all. Yeah. And I need your help. And, you know, looking for your jacket when it could have been done while I was making for your lunches and making right. breakfasts while you weren't eating yet. I mean, it's just like optimizing morning time. It's super challenging. And it is. Then we talked about, because we were refinancing our home right now. And yeah. we talked about, you know, um, some of the key factors in refinancing and we're taking some cash out. So, cause we want to be buying distressed properties once the market slows down and there's a lot of foreclosures. So we're really taking like preparing ourselves financially yeah. to be no, able okay. to be in that game. Mm -hmm. And, but then like I get the quote from the lender, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's increasing obviously because we're taking cash yeah. out. Yeah. It, it's like not doubling the payment, but it's pretty significant. And I was telling my son, I was scared to, yeah. just to see it. And because I have to like, I'm so overwhelmed in my head. I have to write things down to unload it, to mm -hmm. be able to make this sound decision. And then my husband, here comes my husband's like, we can do it. And you know, for me, yeah. you probably know this because you're yeah. the financial girlfriend. Like for me, I see the money come and go. Yeah. And when I see a big number, 
it impacts me more than it does my husband because he doesn't see the little details on a daily basis. Right. But anyways, I, it's important to talk about money. So I want to get into the, the way that you were raised around money and how mm -hmm. was that in your own household? Because I know for a lot of us women, um, mm -hmm. we, um, we take care for most of us, the financial budgeting in our household. But at the same time, how was your mom teaching you about money or was, was it like a taboo, like a lot of families? You know, it's really interesting because my mom was um, about 10 years older than my dad, um, and she was second oldest to 13 kids, and um, our grandma was always around too, and so um, I think about my mom, she, drew, she grew up literally through the Depression. She was born in 1925, wow. and so she, being the second to oldest, they lived out on a farm out in... Um, past Camby out, uh, Colton is actually uh, this in the area that they had a farm in. And, um, and so as a kid growing up, I just remember she always had a little sock door or, you know, a little sock of money. She's tucked money in a Folgers can. I mean, she was literally that person that she just bird nested money all throughout little pieces of the house. And you know, my brother and I, we were only a year apart. We'd come to her and, you know, there's a little grocery store down the street and she would let, you know, we were like eight, nine. She would let us walk down there for a treat. And um, she, you know, she'd give us a dime each and we'd have to make it work. So I, I think about what you were saying about, you know, trying to teach your kids money. And, and I don't know that, again, I don't know that consciously she was trying to teach us about money. But she was not very, she was very truthful. She didn't, um, she always tried to figure out a way to say yes. Um, because there was a lot of no's, you know, we can't buy yeah. the brand new store. You know, we can't go to the store and buy a brand new toy. Um, Christmas and birthdays, she made super special because it was, those are the times that you get something extra, you know? And so my dad was an electrician. Um, and he was a hustler. I mean, I love, the, I love the name of your show because, um, <laughs> it's so fitting. It's so fitting, you know, parents are hustling every day. And, um, but my dad was an electrician and he went from job to job. Sometimes he didn't even know he had this green paneled van and he had full of his, all of his, his tools and wire. And he, you know, he would go out into a job site. I remember, and he coming back saying he's so happy because he got, he got a job today, you know, and it's going to last wow. us for a couple months or whatever. So he was always out there just looking for a way to make money and bring it in. And he got a job um, with aluminum, uh, Reynolds Metals out in Longview. We were growing yeah. up in, in Kalama, Washington, actually, is where my early young uh, years were. And then he got transferred out to Troutdale, and that's when we moved to Milwaukee. And we were rent, he was a renter. We never had a, he never was able or felt that he was able to buy a house until he got that job in Troutdale. And so here we are in Milwaukee live, renting and um, there's a piece of property right across the street virtually that was going to went up for sale, just the land. And wow. my, he goes, I think we could build our own house. And that was kind of this, this, what, you know, it was like a total out, out of the world dream for my parents. Aww. And I was in high school um, when it finished. And so I think back about what I learned, you know, I, it's hard to like and analyze yourself about where did these ideas of money come from and how right. is it that 
you know, and I have a younger brother and an older sister. And um, I think I got the money gene because there's just a lot of, <laughs> a lot of information that they're always coming to me. And at, even before I was a financial advisor, they were like, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And, and so maybe I was just a really good sounding board and good listener. Um, but I think about money in ways that my both between both parents, you know, I'm, I am the saver in my marriage. Um, my husband is kind of the, I always say he's the visionary. He always kind of comes to me at the beginning of a year and, hey, how can we? And he's always asking me how questions. How can we get, make sure the kids get through college? How can we make sure blah, 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 vacations and, and all of, you know, I think we're going to need a new car this year. And, and so as soon as he starts asking me those how questions, my brain just starts, you know, formulating pathways and figuring out which buckets we're going to need and how we're going to start funding that and paying down this. And so I'm very much, a, you know, that um, I just think about money in ways that I don't are outside of the box, I think. And that's right. probably what helps me always. And like my mom, she always figured out a way to make it work. It might be a, it might be a little bit less than you thought, but it's going to, you know, it, it, there was a satisfaction in knowing that she was on your side. So I think I get a lot of that from her. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you said something that, that really resonated with me when you said, I don't know if my mother was consciously teaching us about money, but mm -hmm. she always figured it out. And I talk a, a lot about this with my other guests to where, you know, whether we like it or not, our kids suck it all up. Yep. And whether we say we teach <laughs> yeah. it to them or not, what yeah. you show and what you do really is what you're teaching your children. Exactly. And it's, it's super powerful how you absorbed all that as proof positive that that is, mm -hmm. that really is the teaching that we get from our parents and we right. give to our kids because, you know, you can tell them what to do all day long. They ain't doing it. <laughs> At least but you do it in front them. of you. <laughs> Show them what you do. Yeah. And, and man, they like my kids is just starting to grasp the idea now. Of, you know, they thought that we just have the cash to pay for a house. Mm -hmm. And they didn't uh, understand the idea of loaning money and how right. when we when one day I told them like, I we owe money to the bank. We don't own our house. And they're like, what do you mean we don't own our house? Yeah. Like we live there and you say you own it, but you say you don't, you know, like right. it's that, like, there's no education about that. And I think that yeah. as early as they teach the kids with sex education, they should do hand in hand, the financial education as young as middle school, like they're absolutely no, I don't think, in fact, I don't even think there's any time that is too young and, and yeah, I, I, uh, to, to talk to kids about money. I remember Max and this is, you know, he, again, he was probably four or five and being the only kid. Well, I remember going to Burgerville, you know, one of those mad dashes to get him one of the happy meals, you know, and, and try to get him from point A to point B. And, um, I was, it, it's funny because the toy that was inside the sack when I kind of, you know, tossed it in the back, he's like four or five years old. And I, here's your, here's your dinner or your lunch or whatever, as we're running. And, um, he opened, you know, he goes for the toy first and he like rips it out of the sack and he's like, he looks at it and he kind of tosses it back into the front seat. He goes, this isn't a toy. This is a savings bank. And what it was, is was a little plastic thing that had three sections and a coin slot for each of the three sections. Aww. And then, and when you actually opened it, there was these little stickers and it, one, it said, um, it said save, 
And the other one said me or to spend. And then the other one said to give away. And it was three sections. And I'm like, oh, I actually stole, I was working as a financial advisor. So he didn't want it as a toy. I took it and I was using it as visual aid to a lot of my workshops because wouldn't that be cool? I mean, you have that's to, and that's amazing. how, and I was teaching Max. So he may not have liked the idea that it, was, it wasn't like a robot or something, but I started when he gets, when he got allowance or when he got money from birthdays um, from grandparents or something, I go, what do you, it's a third, a third, a third. What are you going to do? A third you can spend, a third we're going to tuck away and, and open, let's go open a savings account at the bank. And then a third goes to charity, or if you want to give it to a friend, or if you want to give it to a cause, or if you want to start to do something with that money and cause a ripple effect. And so we taught, that's how I taught, and he is a saver to this day. He's got thousands of dollars sitting in his savings account and he's, he's looking for a chance to buy a house. So any chance or opportunity that comes along, the kid's got three jobs and he's got excellent, I mean, he has, you know, virtually everything is on, on his plus side good credit and he's got money sitting in that bank waiting for a down payment so you know I, you know what um we have a neighbor kid that's about max's age and we've seen him like he's been taught about money really well and his parents lived in the house that he owns now his parents retired and moved to phoenix arizona oh wow and okay. he bought the house from his parents it has four bedrooms in it wow and he's what he's <laughs> not wife yet. I think they're, oh, they just got married, but they've been living together for a long time. And she's a nurse and he's studying to be a doctor. So really like oh, wow. have their head on straight. But, you know, I've seen them when they were high school, like that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> when we were pushing around our kids, it was, yeah. it was our, our neighbors had our kids age. So right. we pushing around our kids in the neighborhood. And then now the kids that were watching us pushing around our kids are now getting married and having adults. while our kids yeah. are growing up. So it's like this whole cycle, but we've seen Michael, his name Michael, like buy this house from his parents when he was working for Albertsons. Yeah. And, and now he's going to be a, a doctor soon. And he bought this and rented the other bedroom so they essentially don't have any piece for it. So the other three bedrooms, they have tenants and we're just like, wow, I want my kid to be like this kid. Yeah. I sit there and think about, cause I did, I kind of did the same scenario for Max. I, he said, Hey mom, I'm going to move out. I think I need a roommate. We're going to each probably put in about $800 what we can afford. And you know, housing is so expensive in Portland, of course, anywhere right now. And I said, okay, wait a minute, Max. And I pulled out my calculator and I said, uh, for $1,100, you could own a, a, a less, you know, a, like $150,000 to $170,000 house fixer upper because he's, he does, he can put in floors, he can do all kind of the basic uh, construction. And um, he's, he said plumbing was the only one that he was nervous about. But I said, listen, if we can get you into a house and you're spending $1,100 to own versus $800 to rent, and then you have a second bedroom, you could do the same thing. You're, you know, you can charge whatever you want to for that bedroom, oh and you'll, you'll have, you'll be set up for the next house that you want to buy, and, and you know, so if my parents had even given me an inkling that that could, because I was a saver, if I ever thought I could 
at any, you know, 26 and, and buying a house. And oh my gosh, they, I know. Can you imagine? That's just amazing. So those are the things that I feel that we really, um, we owe that. We, and, and I'll say we, because of being a mom, but I'll also say we as a financial industry, we have obligations and we're not stepping up. We're not teaching people. We're not giving them the time they need to digest the information. Um, I always feel that, you know, financial planners, and, I'm, and I'll just be very general about this, but they're taught to sell. They're taught to give you, uh, give you a product today and move along because it's on their time frame. It's on, it's everything is set on the advisor's timeline. It's not based on the client's needs. You know, maybe they need to get out of debt before they can start thinking about savings. Right. And so I just sit there and I want to give people the time they need to, to really think about it and, and really understand it and, and then be able to ask lots of really good questions. And so that's the, that's the space that I've provided for my kids. And yeah. I think, I think that, um, thank you for saying about that modeling, because I think that's very true. We do things without thinking or teaching, but it's really how we want them to act and see that it can work. You know? Yeah. yeah they, they mimic what you do. And then the other piece too, is like I had a niece that, that just in England. So I have a, two nephews and a niece in England and she really looks up to me and it's really difficult. Cause it's like, she was like, I babysat her when she was a newborn. I was 16 years old. And yeah. So she kind of looks up to me and all these things that I'm doing. And when she graduated college, she had, you know, obviously a good job, still living at home. And, and she asked me what she should do. And I said, hey, number one, before you even start making money, you need to sit down with a financial planner. And the number one thing that I think there's a resistance to is, well, I don't have money. I think there's that disconnect that you have to have a lot of money to sit down with a financial planner and so i go i go to her well that's exactly that's what that's why you should sit down with a financial planner because it's their job to accumulate you money and it's it's and she was like she couldn't get it but um she was like oh okay i i said um you know when i was an insurance professional well, we always, well, I am still insurance, but when I had my, um, my uh, captive practice where I had auto home and then people sat down with me when they're new mm -hmm. drivers, I educated their new drivers and like, why can't parents yeah. bring their new income earner, new, new kids that are coming in the job market instead of like teaching their kids the consequence of drinking and driving and all these other consequences, we can model the same thing and have parents bring their teenagers like yeah. to have a third party teach them about money. Because like I said, sometimes kid, our own kids doesn't listen to us. Exactly. And it's, it's easier to have a third party slash professional educate them. And then yeah. when they have a question about around that, that topic, you don't have, like, if you don't want to talk to mom, talk to Lisa. Yeah, you know? no, that's, that is one of the premises and philosophy of my uh, company is that all income levels and, um, and, and seriously, I talk about, you know, the people that we meet all the time that have barely two nickels to rub together at the end of a paycheck. And 
Um, and I get, you know, I actually have a story about that. I um, was doing a workshop. And I was, I was that, heading that direction. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is this woman. I'm glad you're talking she, about it. She sat in the front row. Um, and during my, you know, there, I was teaching about the different, it was money concepts and it was, um, actually for small business owners, we were talking about, um, business, it was called business killers, how not to kill your business. So we were talking about just fundamentals about how to maybe set things up now so that when you get down the road, it doesn't become a huge landmine. And so, um, we, she sat there and she listened and she was a little skeptical. She was kind of tisking a little bit and had her arms folded. And um, I said, any questions? And she, you know, promptly raised her hand and said, okay, Lisa, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand this. How is it that you want to even work with someone like me? I've got credit card debt that I'm starting my new business and putting debt onto the credit card. I've got, you know, student loans still to deal with. I've got, you know, I'm hardly, I'm just now starting to get clients, but I really haven't seen a lot of profit yet. I, I don't get it. How I don't have anything. Why do you want to even start talking to someone like me? And it was the same question that your niece had. And I said, I said, well, let's play a game. First of all, I'm going to tell you that you've been brainwashed. My industry has told you that you have to have lots <laughs> of zeros and commas and tons of money to sit down and 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 prove your worth to a client to an advisor before oh, they'll even gosh. speak to you. And she's like, what? And so I put my iPad up to the to the screen and I said, let's play, let's just play a little money game, right? And so I put up and I said, let's make sure that like between now and the next 12 months, let's say you make $50,000, you bring in at least 50,000, that's your baseline and no more, no less, just 50,000. And let's just also say that you're in your mid thirties, you'll live on this planet for 60 years. And she goes, well, I, yeah, I'm 36. And I said, perfect, you know, you're gonna outlive the, the norm, but let's go 30 years and I type that in. And I said, okay, well, I'll give you a little grace. Let's put 2% cost of living as if it were compounding and you're, you know, you don't have to eat cat food by the time you're 96. <laughs> and so, so I put in 2% and I hit calculate. And I said, my industry wants you to believe that you're not worth anything until you have money. But I want to tell you that you're a multimillionaire to me because the number came up to $5.5 million. And I said, you're a multimillionaire. I go, you're going to produce this much income, never more than 50000 And I'm going to be begging you for your business today because I can help set you up. Places that you don't even think you're going to go yet will need an account, will need tax savings, will need to know strategy and how to make sure that your money goes harder and longer for you. And she's like, okay, you got me. And I said, and bonus I won't even charge you anything. We won't sit, we'll sit down as many times as you need to, as many appointments, we'll map out the plan. I will never charge you upfront for any of my time or the plan itself. That's what my industry wants to believe that you have mm -hmm. to pay for the charts and graphs. And that's, <laughs> I don't think so. I think we can work and map out a plan together. And all I ask is first shot because I'm a broker then just let me shop the market for you when that account pops up and you decide that you want to open up a new account for 50 bucks a month. Let me do the shopping and find that for you. So that's really this essence of how I see is, our industry needs to work with people. Wonderful because there's, um, oh, I love that because there's a, there's a firm in Vancouver, as you know, that's where I'm at, Washington that will not even give you a second of their time unless you have half a million dollars. 
I know. You know, and I, I, I that's, that's just like it's baffled. so dysfunctional. It, it's it dysfunctional, is. yeah. Because I come when I came here, I literally just have my I literally just have my clothes and weren't even like good clothes when I came from the Philippines. And so when you're being told that you have to have half a million and I'm like, okay. So in the meantime, I just spend my money away, not knowing what to do. So I learned a lot the hard way. I had $22,000 in credit card debt. Nobody taught me anything. I learned everything on my own. And then I started reading and, you know, like you can learn a lot even just on the internet, just yeah, read sure. financial articles and whatnot. So luckily I was exposed to an aunt that's very savvy mm -hmm. financially. She's single. She owns her own home in California, Southern California, which is very expensive, very frugal. So I learned being very frugal from her because coming from the third world, it's all about, I think we overcompensate our being third world people mm -hmm. with the brand, the brand names, the Louis Vuittons, the guests, the Tommy Hilfiger, the Calvin Kleins, like that was really huge. And we were brainwashed. So we had to, in order to be, yeah, it's like these, these, these fronts. Right. And so yeah. when I came to America, I, I was actually, we were staying in my aunt's house cause she was single mm -hmm. and she had four bedrooms. So it was me and my sister in one bedroom, my mom and dad in another, and then my, my, um, my brother in another. So we lived there and she would take us to these thrift shopping flea market. And she literally like, we used to laugh about her furniture, but now I have furniture like hers. Like, <laughs> antique, like I'm like, yeah, it was just not my style. Like I want expensive, nice furnitures. But then she started educating me about these antiques and how much they're worth. And I'm like, wow. And she gets them from flea markets. And she, um, I mean, she, she's probably a multimillionaire. I just don't know because she never steps foot in a mall. She buys everything secondhand and she puts them together too, like really nicely. But she, $20 at a thrift shop was too much for her. So she yeah. always go, go below $20. I mean, she taught me all these things Skills, by yeah. showing me, not by telling me. <laughs> and so I literally had a reborn financially. I was reborn. And now I'm very, very frugal like her. And, you know, and being frugal in a smaller scale, actually over time, like, like it shocks me yeah. how much, you know, how much it adds up over time. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm very much like, um, no, that's very cool because I think, I, I think as women and as moms, like I'll go to a networking event and someone will say, oh, cute dress. And I'll say, oh yeah, I got this like $7 on Ross, you know, or something. And, <laughs> and, and my husband one time was actually with us and he's like, why would you say something? Why would you tell him that you're, buying clothes at Ross and I'm like uh because I do and because I want to buy two dresses for you know <laughs> tw under 20 I don't want I, I go in and look for quantity and quality and I don't want to I want the cheap of the cheap I want the discount on top of the discount with the coupon you know never and pay full price I tell my kids no that yes no and so yeah if I you know it's a proud moment for me to say hey you know and, and the gal who works uh with me here Christine She's actually putting, uh, she's going to be doing an event 
that's called diva on a dime because she is the best at it. I mean, I taught, she's taught me stuff and I have always been like, I love the thrift stores. I love consignment. I love going to even Goodwill. I mean, I love all that kind of stuff. And um, with, you know, Halloween coming up, my kids and I, even my 26 year old mom, let's go to Goodwill so I can get stuff for my costume. And um, so, but yeah, she's, she is, she finds the name now. So I never really cared much about the name brands, but, um, she will find, you know, Calvin Klein or she'll find. But the, yeah. if you get the name brands from those stores, like I know for me, I don't care about them anymore, but when I see them in Goodwill yeah. and all these places, yeah, I'm like scored. I know. <laughs> I know. So she, she was wearing something the other day and she goes, this is a Calvin Klein. It was $99 marked original price. And I got it for $9.99. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I think again, as women, we, you know, we need to support each other like that. We need to tell people, yes. you know, all the good deals. We're, we're much more apt to say when we got a good deal, when we feel like we got really satisfied and we got, um, we want to share that information, which I think yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I, I went to this, um, it was a fundraising dinner for the Northwest Association for the Blind. Mm -hmm. And I go to Goodwill a lot, especially when I only wear the dress once, right? And in Goodwill, they get a lot of Target brands with tags on them. Yes, they do. Now, they do a lot. They even get some from Macy's. They get a lot of those with tags on them. And so I actually look for the ones that are new. Mm -hmm. And I found this velvety dress. Like it was, I'm like, score. It's a Target <laughs> brand. And it was like $9.99. And maybe yes. at Target it was $39.99, right? Right. I put it on and then I found a brand new shoes at Goodwill that's gold and strappy. It was yes. brand new, never yeah. been worn. You can right. tell when it's brand new. And I put them together and it was like an under $20 outfit. Yeah. And you felt I like a princess. <laughs> and everybody was like, wow, you look so beautiful. Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I am like, yep, good little baby. <laughs> and it's like my husband was like, why would you say that? I know, they I'm just like, don't understand. It's like a badge of honor. You know, that we did, we, it's a score. It's a big time score. And yeah. I think about, yeah, no, it's If you awesome. look at my, um, if you look at my, um, my profile photo after we get off, I have this mm -hmm. green, like army colored jacket, navy yeah. colored jacket. I noticed and I got color. it at Goodwill. It's a Forever 21. It's yeah. like 49 bucks at Forever 21. <laughs> and I always look at Pinterest and I look mm -hmm. at Pinterest, what's in, and then I go look for it. Yeah. And hunt different. for it. And I'm not in a hurry to find it. Right. Books I get from Goodwill. Like a lot of my books back here behind me. Yeah. From Goodwill. The books content doesn't change. Right. Nope. Yeah, it's the awesome. same for a buck. And I go to like a Christian store down the road here in Vancouver. I get like books for a buck, you know, yeah. helps nope. them and it helps me. It, 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 and women, I think too, also, we have to make our dollars stretch longer because we do live longer, right? So find, it's sure. kind of, it's, it's a natural progression of, if you, you know, like you can buy name brand and go ahead and pull fake, pay full price. But when I sit there and think about, you know, how many more things could you have bought if you gotten it on secondhand or an outlet malls or whatever. So I'm Burlington always- Burlington Coat Factory is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to 
we talked about the lessons you learned from your mom about money. Mm -hmm. um, was there any other lessons you learned from your mom growing up? Uh, yeah, she was, part? I, 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 you know, she passed away when Pearl was about seven months old um, with uh -huh. cancer. And um, I think about her and she was always the true optimist. So I, mm -hmm. I think if I got any skill or quality from her too, it was about, um, yeah. and maybe it was, there, there's always a way we got to figure it out. We just got, you know, we're just in a crunch now, but we got to figure it out. And so that true optimism, I've always, you know, the sky is the limit uh -huh. and um, glass is always half full. I, I've always just been that kind of true optimist. I so that. I, I trade, I trade that much to my mom and my grandmother. My mom's mom was, uh, oh, she was always around. She, you know, she, she, she was, you know, when you think about Sundays, I always yes. think about everybody all just traipsed the kids, the dogs, everybody showed up at grandma's house on Sunday wow. at some, at some time, you know, some came after church, some came, you know, more in the mornings. It just depended on their daily schedules, but that was the hub. That was, she was the matriarch in every sense. And so, um, you know, I think, I think my mom, you know, I always, my, my house is pretty loud, even with just two kids and, and, uh, and my husband and I, we, we always kept the front door open. The coffee was always on kind of thing because oh, wow. I wanted our kids to feel that sense of, you know, everyone's welcome and bring your friends that I, plus it, you know, as a mom, there's a little bit, I can watch you and make sure that <laughs> yes. you're going right. <laughs> so that was, maybe, maybe that's what she was always doing too. Cause she always said, oh yeah, invite your kids, you know, your friends over from for dinner or whatever. So just always having everybody around to me uh, that just it, it symbolizes love, you know, in every respect yes. is just being with your friends and your family and having everybody just hang out and, and have a have their time of whatever they need. And so that to me is another thing I think my mom definitely instilled in us. So yeah. I love feeding people. So mm -hmm. especially kids and their friends. Like yeah. Um, I don't I, I, I don't cook I don't cook. Um, I prep and I set tables and I clean really well. I don't know. I don't understand the cooking thing as well, but um, I can tell you that I do a mean bag salad and then I add cranberries and nuts and I, you know, I can yeah, up level any kind too. of salad. Yeah. Yeah. In a Ziploc and just shake them. <laughs> yeah. The blue cheese and just kind of throw um, it all. Yeah. I can up level any salad on a good day. Yes. So did you, um, so what you learned from your mother you're actually obviously applying that to your own children, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think we have, you know, that's our guiding stars, right? Those are the people that we don't know any different and and it felt good. It always just felt, you know, you had this huge, and that's maybe why I'm a big hugger too, because I always felt like I had this, you know, warm, loving embrace of just support and, and be who you want to be. So, yeah. Just felt at home for you. Yeah, definitely. Right. So, um, you know, technology is amazing. Yes. And I don't know if your kids Google you, but my kids Google me. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, well, Pearl, my, my daughter, she's like, um, she's kind of like, get over yourself, mom, you know, and I, and I'm <laughs> only, I just tease her. I tease her because it, she has such a great reaction. I mean, the 17 year old with the rolling of the eyes and the upping and the puffing and, and I'm like, Pearl, <laughs> I put on my mom voice and 
She goes, Mom, just get over yourself. Come on, oh, you know. Gosh. <laughs> if Pearl or if Pearl and Max were listening right now, what message would you tell your children? I love them and I just want them to be the best selves that they can be, you know, and I want them to uh I think tolerance is something I've always, you know, I've I've always wanted them to accept and not judge people and and, and adapt to different cultures and the way that people think, because it's a cast of characters. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you look around your family, you look around your workspace and the people that you work with, we're all cast of characters. We all have our own individual stories and motives and, you know, just give grace to everyone. So oh, that's, that's pretty, that's beautiful. Thank yeah. You. You're welcome. Thank you for this. This is fun. This is a great time. It's awesome. Last question. Okay. What is your definition of a mother hustler? Ah, mother hustlers, you know, I, I used to say it would probably be those that can multitask, but what I found now that I'm over 50 um, <laughs> is that you need to focus, focus on the thing, you know, give yourself top three priorities Give yourself top three ways that you like to have fun and how to how to balance things, but but keep keep those top three priorities you know prevalent in the way you speak, the way that you voice your opinion, honor and respect others. But you know, there's a good way to disagree, and everybody has their own opinions about it. But there's always a way. There's always a way for compromise. So I think about. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably part of it is the is the idea that we all we all are important and we all have value. Wow. I could hear your mom saying there's always a way. <laughs> there's always a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving us a slice of Lisa today and giving You're us welcome. the time. Um, I know that you're busy, so I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for, you know, talking about money and talking about your goals with women and really, you know, educating us about that there is no minimum. And if, if there's moms out there that are listening and where I'm coming from is that one of my clients really came crying to me because she was sitting with a bunch of um, financial planners Mm -hmm. And she literally felt like she was a piece of, you know, what when she yeah. walked out of there and she was, she walked out of there crying. Yeah. And so knowing that, that is, that you're changing that yeah. and you're blazing the trail in that and, and allowing people to feel so good when, even with that story and example that you, you, you shared with us with letting a woman know 36 year old woman know that she is a multimillionaire and doing the math for her i think that's such a refreshing twist to financial planning and i've actually never heard it before until today yeah. and you share that story and stories are super powerful yeah so i commend you for blazing the trail in this arena in thank you that so for, for anybody out there that feels like they don't have a lot to speak with a financial planner, Lisa is your financial girlfriend. <laughs> can you tell yeah. them, Lisa, um, as a closing, where they can find you, social media-wise? Yeah. 
and your website and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, social media is definitely the place to find me. I'm on Facebook, um, uh, My Financial Girlfriend. So it's at My Financial GF, if you want to do the short version of the Facebook thing. LinkedIn, I'm on there as well. It's under my name, um, and it's Lisa Brum, B-R-U-M-M. And um, my office here in Portland, Oregon, downtown, um, we're at the Pearl District, so we actually have really good parking, um, 14th and Northwest Irving on the right. second floor. So we're in, um, we, you know, phone number, all that stuff is contact uh, information is through Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, Google me. I think um, I'm showing up on different pl platforms and I just, Kareen, I can't even thank you enough. This has just been such a, a a wonderful morning to spend with you and, and um, you're doing some really awesome things yourself. So you inspire me and I want to, you know, we've got big things to do and we can support each other in all the things that That's we want to awesome. accomplish. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll swing, I'll swing by one day and visit your office because I haven't seen the new office. Yeah. We're very uh, urban chic. So I wanted yes. again, a, a space that gives people you know, not the tried and true archaic financial industry. I want it to be new and fresh innovation. Awesome. Um, and I want people to feel, I, I'd love to have financial girlfriend centers all over the United States where people just feel that they can be, it's approachable. They can set an appointment. It's a no judgment zone and wow. um, just work out whatever questions they have on their pace. That's awesome. And I'll put your link in the, in the notes of the podcast so people Great. can see it. I always do your Facebook and your website there. So at Thank least you. they can link up to that. Yes. Thank you again and have Thank an you. awesome rest of the week. I really Me appreciate too. this. It's such a good conversation around being a mom, talking <laughs> about money and our children. So thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, Lisa. Have a great day. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.